Hello, listeners. If you are enjoying this podcast without commercial interruption and are financially able, please consider supporting our effort. To contribute, go to the homepage spacerockethistory.com and click on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. In God's speed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Get my feet up. Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh? When that baby light, there's no doubt about it. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis and you're listening to episode number 427 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Skylab 4, Christmas in Orbit. With the crew adjusting to life in orbit and the ground monitoring the gyros, the astronauts began serious work with the Apollo telescope mount, the Earth Resources Experiment Package, and the rest of the science investigations. In total, the third crew completed 45 Earth Resources Experiment Package passes. Loss of signal through the Texas tracking station at the conclusion of this Earth Resources Pass over Central America. Pilot Bill Pogue re- reporting a malfunction light in the S-190 multispectral camera system. This is a six-camera unit. He was troubleshooting procedures were read up to uh, Pilot Pogue by Capcom Musgrave, Story Musgrave. However, this, this did not, uh, apparently did not solve the problem. Reference to panel 110, that's the C and D panel at which uh, Pilot Pogue was working. Uh, Panel 202 is a circuit breaker panel in the structural transition section, a few feet from where the MDA, a few feet from where the EREP panel is in the STS section. Pilot Pogue making the comment, it's too bad about these cameras, Uh, it was a nice pass. As the spacecraft went over the hill out of range of Texas tracking station, now we'll return to solar inertial attitude as the spacecraft crosses over the western portion of Brazil on this, the 2,947th revolution of Skylab. This uh, pass, the first uh, geothermal pass uh, in the mission. Uh, some of the PIs looking for data uh, out of this pass include uh, Jack Quaid of the McKay School of Mines, University of Nevada. Ira C. Bechtolt of the Argus Exploration Company. Looking for hydrocarbon exploration in Chihuahua is Carlos Castilla Tahiro of the Mexican Institute of Petroleum in Mexico. Looking for rock and soil type identification and mineral zone classification is Dr. Kenneth Watson of the USGS Survey. In addition to most of the student experiments, 17 science demonstrations were completed together with 70 TV transmissions showing life on board. 
their work, and views outside, including the Earth and the comet Kahutek, all of which attracted the attention of the media. Here's a clip of another early comet sighting. Roger, Bruce. Uh, it's a CDR. I got a look at uh, Kahutek. Stand by. Okay, we're right here, and we'd like to hear your comments. First. Okay, I got a good look. My first good look at Kahootek in several days uh, on window number three while uh, uh, we were in the attitude for uh, SO63. I mentioned last night that I, I had a vague impression of being able to see the, the curved part of the tail as well as the straight. Uh, I was not able to, to get that feeling as I was looking at it uh, a few minutes ago. The tail, however, is quite long. It's longer than I've seen out the command module window. And that reinforces, reinforces my conviction that uh, we were not seeing all of the comet out the uh, command module window, that uh, part of it was being occulted by the ATM solar panel. Uh, the, uh, the tail is getting quite visible now and uh, is uh, indeed quite long. I, wouldn't even know how to go about giving you an estimate of how many degrees I would say it is, but uh, it's getting easier and easier to see. Okay, how about if you hold your hand out at arm's length and compare the width of the, the comet with the apparent width of your hand? Or finger. Man, I can't see out the window. How about a finger? It's down in the corner. On December 6th of 1973, a pleasant distraction occurred with the observance of Santa Day in Germany. Okie doke, we're uh, one minute from LOS. We'll see you at Carnarvon in 40 minutes at 1306. submitted to the Mission Control Center from uh, the German people with a Christmas message to the crew this morning. Today is uh, Santa Claus Day in Germany. some concern of how Santa Claus was going to deliver presents to the crew. Uh, today there was a little boy who uh, came to the viewing room that was uh, terribly worried about how Santa Claus is going to find you guys uh, going round and round in the workshop and he also uh, couldn't understand what Santa Claus was going to use as a chimney. Well we got a spare chimney hanging off the side of this thing and uh, all he's got to do is know how to make a uh a good uh, orbital rendezvous, and we're in. Well, we're going to help him with that. Hey, Dick, are we uh, 
As a matter of fact, uh, Bill, we are. I think I was told earlier that it was going to be about a 10% eclipse, but I can find out real quick uh, a little more about it. Yeah, we got a great big old full moon up there, and all of a sudden start losing a hunk of it. Roger and Bill, uh, uh, make sure the window that you're not looking out of, or, or it, make sure that we're leaving the wardroom window uh, curtain closed uh, during SO3 73 exposures. But uh, that is a, an eclipse of the moon that you're looking at. On December 10th, a message of congratulations was read to the Skylab 4 crewmen for the tremendous contribution they were making toward procuring medical data which would provide the base for future manned space flight efforts. The message was sent from the Soviet delegation of the Joint Working Group in Space Biology and Medicine. Next came the bugs. What Skylab mission would be complete without bugs? This time, they brought moths. Hey, Crip, uh, I'm sorry, maybe I've been inattentive and uh, I didn't hear it, but uh, I never did get your response yesterday about the uh, appearance of moth eggs when they uh, go into diapause. Okay, I've just been waiting for an appropriate time to uh, come back with you on that. Uh, it so happens there are two vials of 500 eggs each, one labeled tame and one labeled wild. Diapause refers to the hibernation <laughs> I knew I could do it. I knew I could only get you once, though. I think that's at least two times. Actually, diapause refers to the if, if I could get procedures to quit laughing over here. Hibernation cycle of the larva and the egg, which uh, lasts six to nine months normally. Upon hatching, <laughs> I can't believe it. I just hate to read it during your lunch. Actually, when the uh, when the larvae hatch, they're about three millimeters long <laughs> and appear white <laughs> and hairy. Uh, go ahead, Crip. Uh, we're all ears. White thinks I need help. I'll take Biomed's word. He says they're three millimeters long and appear white and hairy. He says they're primarily veg vegetarian, so I don't guess you guys have got any worry. But they may eat the remaining eggs. And uh, since we've got no food for the, the larvae, they are going to die or die shortly. Now, in the wild file, there may be eggs of other insects, so uh, you might have to watch out for that, such as wasps. Since those eggs were uh, gathered in the field rather than grown in the laboratory. Lots of luck. Hey, Crip, would you uh, repeat all after uh, the first vial contained? A little while later, the moth saga continued. 
December 18th, the three Skylab astronauts were joined in orbit by two Soviet cosmonauts on board Soyuz 13. It was the first time that astronauts and cosmonauts had been in space simultaneously. And although no joint activities were planned, the two nations were working toward a joint docking mission in the summer of 75. On board Soyuz 13, were the Orion 2 telescope and life science experiments. But that was a short flight of only a week. By Christmas Eve, the Soviet cosmonauts were back on the Earth. Since the first Salyut in 1971, the Soviets had experienced difficulty in their space program with the orbital breakup of Salyut 2 in April of 73, just prior to the launch of Skylab and Cosmos 557, which was a Salyut, in May. It was some months before a new Salyut was readied, and by then, Skylab had established new endurance records that the Soviets were unable to exceed for the next four years. Moving along, unfortunately, Bill Pogue got sick again. And that became a bit of a touchy subject with the astronauts. Murray, I'm not convinced that this is all motion sickness either. Uh, I think a lot of the head fullness and, uh, and all that's got a whole lot to do with it, and I don't think that's motion at all. I think a lot could be uh, just a track all the way down. I think we're overemphasizing this motion sickness a heck of a lot. I, I think we're, we got the blinders on. We better look around a little bit more and look for some other ideas because a guy with the insensitivity to motion that Bill's got uh, to have uh, problems, I think uh, uh, there's something else involved here. People better start looking around a little more and get off this motion sickness kick. I'll support that 100%. I think it's, uh, uh, this is not meant to be critical, uh, but I think the experimental design is aiming in the, entirely in the wrong direction. It, it, they got horse blinders on, and they got themselves pre-programmed, and they've just closed their mind to some uh, rather obvious avenues of approach. I, I just disagree with the discipline that's involved in this experiment design. 
you're thinking that there may be some other inputs uh, toward uh, toward sensing motion, such as the cardiovascular system and the like? I think that they ought to, I do not know, Story. I, I don't know that much about it, but I think they have pre-programmed themselves and all of their previous investigation has been in this one area and has had limited degrees of success, or very good success, I guess, in, in treating motion sickness, but they got a new arena here, a completely uh, new ball game, and darn it, they're going to have to start open their mind again and start looking again. It, it, they cannot adapt their previous uh, investigation to this problem. I think they probably are trying to trying to look at all those inputs, Bill. I think the re relocation of the fluids in your body. Uh, apparently, there are some people I would guess that are a whole lot more sensitive to that than others, and I would uh, be inclined to think that's got a lot to do with this sickness up here. Yeah, we tend to agree with that also. One other thing, Story. I think we're really wasting a lot of good uh, crew time here doing this uh, motion sensitivity. Okay, uh, we got your input on that. Moving on to M171, if you don't have anything more on the uh, M131, and we've got a lot of good data on there. You've probably plotted some of that yourself. Uh, all of you are at least up to the pre-flight uh, baseline ranges in terms of uh, efficiency and uh, physical fitness. Uh, Ed is starting to improve uh, beyond the physical condition that he had uh, pre-flight. The vital capacity data is excellent. We're seeing a decrease of about 3 to 5% in vital capacity, and some good explanations for that are that you have a little more fluid and blood in the chest. If you had, say, 160 or 200 cc's of blood in the chest, uh, this would not allow you to uh, fill a chest with air. That's a good explanation for the decrease we're seeing. Just a reminder, this was before the work schedule issues were resolved and the crew, as you may have heard, it was a bit frustrated. But at least now, Christmas was in full swing on Skylab. The men spent the Christmas season in space and appropriately decorated Skylab for the occasion. Christmas time brought in more Kahootek sightings. Good morning, Red Man. Good morning. How's everything up in the sky? Doing fine. Just finished looking at Kahootek. Uh, it's getting longer and stronger. Really good. Been going out trying to see it in the morning. I haven't been able to do it with the naked eye yet. No, Bill's been able to see it. Uh, uh, unaided for some time, and I saw it a couple times out of the command module and hadn't seen it since until last night and this morning, and uh, you can see it again. Very good. A bit more difficult now to observe the comet. It, uh, it's coming up closer and closer to twilight, and as a result, twilight uh, brightening, uh, that is brightening of the atmosphere, is interfering with viewing of the comet. It is still visible about two hours before sunrise every morning uh, throughout the United States. Okay, let me tell you about Comet Kohotek. I got a chance to look at it in the uh, night before last, the orbit uh, night before last, and, uh, and looking at it through the binoculars, I saw it around the tail of around four degrees. Yesterday I had estimated to be around three degrees, 
and I did this by just comparing the field of view and the binoculars with something I could see inside and, you know, measuring distances and angles and so forth. It came over around 4 degrees. I'd estimate a length to width ratio of around 20 for it. Uh, that gives you width around 2 to 3. And again, all this is eyeball. The, uh, to get its full width around uh, 3 widths back, that is 3 fifths of a degree back from the coma. The edges of the tail are very straight from those three widths back, and at around uh, 10 or so back, it starts to fade away, and gradually by 20, it's uh, disappeared. I think a lot, a lot of it is uh, dark adaptation. Now, the coma itself, relative to the tail, is uh, relatively bright, and I can see nothing in the way of uh, a second tail, that is, either uh, a bluish white tail anywhere. This one was primarily white, which I saw. I cannot identify uh, yellow as yet. Any yellow tinge to it. It's primarily white. I could not see whether the uh, coma itself was elliptical. I think we're a little bit too uh, far out for that. However, uh, comparing it with yesterday, uh, the brightness certainly has increased, and uh, as it moves in rapidly towards the sun, I guess it's now almost uh, a half or so already is out and it's uh, picking up speed, moving fast. I expect in the next uh, two or three days we ought to see some dramatic changes and uh, it's going to be pretty interesting from there on. Very good. Uh, thank, you. thank you for the excellent description, Ed. Science pilot Ed Gibson gave a more thorough report on the comet. Uh, his observations of it said that it increased in length from about three degrees yesterday to four degrees today, which would indicate it's about 33% longer or it's growing uh, in the vicinity of about two million miles in length. The atmosphere is uh, more or less cloudy or polluted. It's more and more difficult or less difficult to detect the length of the comet. The longest report uh, given by ground observers is about 13 million miles for length, although it's expected that uh, some comet material may be found back 50 to 100 or possibly even as far back as 200 million miles behind it. Photography has been taken by the Skylab crew uh, to sense materials that are located as far back as 200 million miles, but uh, it's expected that they should be able to see something back at least 100 million miles behind it. It seemed like the best inside sight for viewing the comet was from the command module. Hello, Hank. Hello there. I was looking at the uh, comet at this last setup, and the command module window 1 is a much better way to go. Uh, I was able to see the tail quite far back, uh, the coma has gotten a lot uh, uh, higher in intensity and much larger than I've seen it uh, about a week ago when I uh, looked at it in detail. I was, only was able to see one tail, however, uh, strictly uh, a gas tail, or I mean a dust tail going straight back. Fairly wide. Uh, the coma itself has become uh, quite a bit larger, and the tail just uh, picks up that size and goes straight back. I think three of my window one is the one to uh, follow it from here on out. Okay, we copied. The new holiday EVA tradition continued on Christmas Day, 1973. No one had been in space for Christmas for five years since the historic Apollo 8 mission, in which the crew became the first humans to spend Christmas off the planet and around the moon. By Christmas 1973, Carr, 
Gibson and Pogue were spending the holiday season in orbit. During the EVA, which lasted seven hours and one minute, the astronauts accomplished partial film replacement and took 40 photographs of the comet. Additionally, they repaired the telescope filter wheel, which required detailed work and was challenging due to the restrictions of the pressure suit gloves and the use of a dental mirror, a thin pin light to illuminate the work area, and a screwdriver to place the wheel. As they worked, a slow leak of yellowed cooling water from the chromate corrosion inhibitor flaked off. They also obtained a sample of the airlock module's meteoroid cover, which was to be studied to learn more about the effects of space exposure. Carr recalled, quote, The second EVA was on Christmas Day, and Bill and I were out for seven hours. I was amazed when I got back in because I expected that I'd have to go to the bathroom something fierce, but I didn't. In terms of brilliance, Comet Kahootek was a disappointment. We and everybody on the ground thought it was going to be a beautiful, brilliant comet. It turned out to be beautiful, all right, but it was so faint that we really had to work to find it. Once we did find it, we observed a gorgeous thing, small, fainter, but gorgeous. Although we took as many pictures as we could, I don't think our film captured its beauty. End quote. Here's a few clips of the EVA. This is Houston through the Vanguard on station off the coast of Argentina this morning. Support your EVA. Wishing you all a very Merry Christmas for real this time. Since uh, although we've been wishing you a Merry Christmas for a couple of days, today is the day. Over. Morning, Bruce. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, we've got a, a couple of little messages that uh, should be showing up in your teleprinter. Uh, I guess they're there right now for you. No rush. Thank you. Uh, Story, we just crossed in the uh, southeast coast of Australia. That's firm. Yes. Tasmania down there, I think. New Zealand can't be far away. Right. Uh, 
Scott, let me understood you started SO20 again, and until we get regrouped here on your APCS, I would like you to proceed on with a sun end uh, film replacement. Okay, we'll do her. Any guesses as to why that happened, Story? Bill, you suppose New Zealand's under those clouds right there? I've lost my sense of direction right along in here. Well, no, we're still too close to Australia. It's right up yeah, there. Yeah, it could be ahead of us a little bit. It does look like there's an awful lot of clouds coming up here, though. Yep. Oh, I see it. There it is. Yeah, I got it. Hello, New Zealand. Beautiful country. Yeah, it is. It's also pretty close. Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. We're reading you loud and clear through to Nannery for four minutes. Roger, we just opened the OWS hatch. Oh, sweet home. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, story. Okay, Bill, I'm down. Alrighty, I'm on my way. Excuse me? Christmas tree coming up on your left. Yeah, I'm going to say hi. I'm just Okay, is my umbilical clear? Yep, it's clear. And we got a feeling for how hungry you are. If you have any uh, trouble finding that fruitcake and A2 locker behind the film vault, uh, it's wrapped in foil and also uh, stored in clear plastic. Maybe that'll help you find it. Okay, thank you, Story. I'm looking forward to that. The crew of Skylab 4, Gerald Carr, science pilot Ed Gibson, and Bill Pogue now in their 40th day in space. Establishing a Skylab record today, spending seven hours outside their orbiting space station in the longest weightless work session in the Skylab program. When the astronauts returned from the EVA, Santa had made a delivery, and they all had presents from their wives delivered. Hey, Hank, there really is a Santa Claus. Hey, did you find him? Yeah, that rascal left us some goodies. How about that? All gaily wrapped with Christmas paper and ribbon and the whole bit. Yeah, I was a little puzzled the other night when you called down and said you had one present to put under the tree, and then I, yeah, I was a little puzzled why, why you said only one. Yeah, we didn't even see this other one. It was uh, laid right back in the pouch, and uh, it didn't pop out when the other one did, and we didn't look in it for any more. I really don't think it was here before, Hank. Someone must have put it there. That was a midnight skulker. Roger, Hank. Hey, tell my wife I'm delighted with my present and uh, you're authorized to give her one hug. Okay, I'll take up on that. No more, just one. I, I guess from our viewpoint, you guys did a real great job there today. Well, thanks a lot, Hank. We appreciate it. Uh, Hank, how about passing the word along to Helen that I got the present? I appreciate it very much. Okay, I'll do 
Two days later, another significant event occurred. The crew passed the midpoint in their planned 84-day mission. Good morning at 8.35 Central Standard Time. The crew uh, will reach the halfway point in uh, the scheduled 84-day mission. Uh, the, the space station will be over the South Atlantic Ocean at this time at 8.35 Central Standard Time. At that point, uh, the space station, the crew will have uh, made 607 trips around the Earth, logging uh, 17,650,000 miles in space since their launch from Cape Kennedy on November 16th. The space station, however, will uh, have logged 3,292 revolutions of the Earth, or 95,760,000 miles since uh, launch from Cape Kennedy on May 14th. Ground controllers continue to review data from the Christmas Day EVA in preparations for upcoming Saturday EVA, devoted exclusively to Comet Kahootek photography. Skylab crew passed the halfway point in a planned 84-day mission this morning at 8.35.46, Greenwich, uh, that's Central Standard Time AM. Early this morning, the Comet also passed its midway point in its journey at uh, passed the closest approach to the sun early this morning, and that's uh, on its way away from the sun at this point. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina on the shores of the mighty Yadkin River. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I would like to say thanks for listening to episode number 427 of the Space Rocket History Podcast entitled Skylab 4, Christmas in Orbit. Our next episode should be released on or about Saturday, December 2nd. If you'd like to be notified by email when new episodes are posted, you can subscribe to the blog by going to the homepage spacerockethistory.com and typing in your email in the text box on the right side of the page. Well, it's the Christmas season once again, and I would like to give a bonus award to my donors. If you have given $100 or more this year and did not get a magnet, Email me, and we will be happy to send you one. Give me your address and your magnet preference. We are running low in the standard magnets, so it may be the archive magnet magnet uh, since we have more of those. Also, if you gave $50 to $99 this year and you want a sticker, just email me with your address, and I'll send one out. The deadline for this is December 31st, 2023. My email is spacerockethistory at gmail.com. If you're looking for old episodes of the podcast, the first 245 are available on the Archive podcast. Search for Space Rocket History Archive. It should be available on all podcatchers. You will have to put in the word archive to find it, I'm afraid.
If you would like, you can follow me on Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, which is now known as X. <laughs> My handle is at Space Rocket Hist. And you can follow on Facebook by searching for Space Rocket History. You can also keep up with me on Patreon at patreon.com slash space rocket history. Had a few afterthoughts. As always, I apologize for my mispronunciations. I wish I could have timed this episode so it would have hit just before Christmas, but it didn't work out that way. Sorry about that. At least it hit close to Thanksgiving, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of you already have a tree decorated. I mentioned several Soviet missions that I do plan to cover next year. Remember, our timeline is still in 1973, so we're going to go into 1974 with the Skylab 4 uh, to finish it up. And then we'll go back to uh, 1973 and do the missions that I haven't covered yet. So nobody panic. We're going to get to them. Unless, of course, something horrible happens. But uh, I'm planning on doing it. (laughs) Back on Earth in 1973, I remember the build-up to Kahootek. It was going to be the Comet of the Century. It was going to be so bright and beautiful. And it was going to light up the night sky. And the scientists and the media were building it up. And when it got here, it was really hard to see if you could find it at all. It was like you couldn't look directly at it. You had to kind of see it peripherally. If you tried to focus right on it, you couldn't see it. And actually, it was hard to see. (laughs) And then it became kind of a joke that people would go around asking, did you see Kahootek? And they would have a good laugh. It's 70s humor. You know, you had to be there to experience it. (laughs) Ah, the 70s. Most of my teenage years were there. I was 13, turned 13 in 1973. There was an oil embargo and gas lines to fill up your car. Of course, I didn't have a car because I was 13. Everybody was buying thermal underwear in order to uh, set the heat down lower in your house and save uh, oil if, if you ran off an oil furnace, which is what we did. And uh, they even shortened the school day to save fuel as well. And that was all right with me. <laughs> In 1973, I was, I was all right with that. They set the heat back in school, so it was cold there too. So you had to have your uh, thermal underwear. Everybody's wearing thermal underwear. <laughs> I remember that so well. And it turned out the winter wasn't that bad. But it was not a great year for a comet. I found it interesting that the crew returned sketches of the comet. Do you think anyone got good data from those sketches? (laughs) I don't know. 
to me, that didn't seem to be worth the effort. But, you know, that's just my opinion. So I guess a sketch can be meaningful. A picture would would be more meaningful, a photograph, but I just, I don't know what they were getting out of those sketches, but they made them. I found it uh, kind of funny when the astronauts were opening their Christmas presents from their wives, and one of them, one of the astronauts gave permission for Capcom to give his wife one hug and one hug only. <laughs> and another one of them said, you do not have permission to hug my wife. <laughs> uh, that's just funny, I guess. There was a lot less hugging in 73 <laughs> than 23. <laughs> they just... Uh, we just hug at the drop of a hat now. But uh, <laughs> 73, you just didn't go around hugging somebody else's wife. <laughs> Maybe it's not such a great idea today. I don't know. Finally, in personal news, my mother-in-law continued to uh, slowly improve. She had some swelling, and that was from fluid retention, and that is getting better. And the ribs are not hurting as much because she was able to get down to just Tylenol for the pain, which is a big step to come off the painkillers. And, uh, you know, nine broken ribs, that's tough. That's tough to recover from, especially when you're 90 years old. There have been uh, no setbacks with her heart, so that seems to be going great. Uh but she does still continue to require 24-7 accompaniment, which uh, that has been split up between my wife and her sister. Hopefully, maybe, by Christmas she'll be able to ease up on the 24-7 coverage. Oh, this is getting really uh, tough on my wife and her sister to maintain that coverage 24 hours a day. Regarding the house... The paint painters and sheetrock people came today and finished up the holes and the cracks and the things like that that were in the uh, sheetrock and the paint that was coming off or drips or places they didn't caulk. They fixed that today, just this morning. I had to go downstairs to do my teaching <laughs> Had to go down in the basement and do my teaching, but fortunately, I made it back up to the office this afternoon. Okay, moving on to financial support. Over the past fortnight, we have received, oh, eight donations and pledges. I would like to thank Sven B. from Melbourne, Australia. Donated, who donated at the Orion level and earned a shooting star emoji. Sam W. donated at the Apollo level. Carolyn S. donated at the Apollo level. Terry G. donated at the Apollo level. X15A2 increased their pledge on Patreon to the Apollo level. Nick S. pledged on Patreon at the Apollo level. Tyler C. pledged on Patreon at the Gemini level. Ronald B. increased his pledge on Patreon to the Mercury level. Thank you very much for your support, support, folks. I really appreciate that. 
Now, of course, since the month change, we lost some Patreons and because their credit card expired. So if you get a chance to check that, that would be helpful. If your credit card's about to expire to uh, put the new number in, that would be helpful. But uh, we, we're down to 230 because we had a couple new ones come in. So uh, that's one down from last month. And hopefully by the next time we speak, we can be back up to at least 231. And uh, let's see, what else was it? Our total Patreon, our total donors, which includes Patreon, PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, and checks for 2023, have reached 344 with an overall goal of reaching 450 for this year. So we've got uh, not much time. We've got a month and a half here. Well, barely a month and a half to make it a hundred and some more donors. <laughs> well, folks, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe we should uh, lower that goal or something. I think I'm going to lower that goal. <laughs> Let's, let's lower it to 400. I'll just change it right there. Let's lower it to 400. Let's see if we make 400. We've made more than that in the past. Uh, so if you are enjoying this podcast that has been running now for over 10 and a half years without commercial interruptions and you can't afford it, make sure you can afford it. Do not send any money you cannot afford, okay? I would not feel right taking money I don't want any money from someone that has a, a strain to do it, okay? Just what you can't afford, okay? That's all I want. I promise. That's all. Please consider uh, going to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com, and click on the orange donate button or the Patreon link, or you can donate by check. You can mail a check. Just email me, and I'll give you my address. You can donate on Venmo or Zelle. By using my email address, spacerockethistory at gmail.com. And now is also a good time to begin the emoji maneuver. Now as we enter the end of the year, you can quickly earn a longevity emoji next to your name on the donors page. The idea is to make a donation now and a donation in January for the next year and earn a rocket emoji or... Advance to the next emoji in your collection. It's very fast time to do it. I mean, you can do it in like two months here. Doesn't that sound great? Okay. Now, if you are unable to support financially, it would really help me if you could retweet the, retweet the post on X, formerly known as Twitter, or repost my Facebook post, or even better, if we could get some good old five-star reviews on a, your podcatcher of choice, like Spotify. Spotify would be a really good one to get a, some five-star reviews, because I don't have many. I've got a, a, I've got a, quite a few on iTunes, but Spotify I don't have that many on. So that would be good to do a review on Spotify. You don't have to write anything if you don't want to. Just go there and click that five-star thing and just get, zing me a five-star out there, and I'll appreciate that. Uh, also, uh, a uh, reminder that Google Podcast sent me that email. It said they're going to end their 
uh, they're going to end Google Podcast pretty soon, I think by the end of the year. So you'll need to find a new podcatcher. Uh, Spotify is pretty good. and But there's plenty of podcatchers out there that, that I'm, I'm on. So you can, anyone you prefer. All right. Mrs. SRH is with her mother today. So I'm going to do this this episode's donor giveaway. And here it is. Right there it is. The winner for this episode will get the choice of the rare and beautiful SRH archive magnet or the regular magnet or two stickers or a NASA meatball sticker with the help of Google's random number generator, Mrs. SRH selected Alex Boyd. Alex Boyd. If you would email us, spacerockethistory at gmail.com to tell us your address and your SRH prize preference, we will get this out to you. Sincere thanks to all 344 of you who have contributed thus far in 2023. Okay, my sources for this episode were NASA, Homesteading Space, The Skylab Story by David Hitt, Skylab, Our First Space Station by Leland Bailu, Skylab, America's Space Station by David Shaler, The Internet Archive, Flickr, and Wikipedia. And that's all I have for this episode. I will try to have episode 428 posted on or about December 2nd. So long for now.